answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth Financial's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Yeah, glad you're a part of our radio program or podcast if you're listening that way. We've been uh, doing this for 24-plus years on the, the radio and, of course, podcast as well. But uh, this show is really about financial advice, both myself and my co-host here. We are both practicing financial advisor, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. And uh, we come here on the weekends to be your financial advisor, whether you, or not you have one or not. And, frankly, this is much more than just about um, financial advice. It's It goes deeper into retirement issues and um, those sort of matters. So, um, if I think most of our most of the people that we've helped over the years are uh, have marched into retirement, uh, they tend to be most of the people that we've helped are kind of like uh, maybe like middle class millionaires. Yeah, if that's a fair term to put things. They, people that most have, of them didn't inherit the money or have some big liquidity event like the. You know, like a lottery winning or a huge inheritance. Most of our clients. Well, most of people get wealth. It's through those. It's through hard work and thrift. It's um, it's through saving money. Yeah. And most of the, I guess that's why we most of those people over long them. periods of time, in a well diversified portfolio. Hopefully, yeah. Sometimes yeah. when we meet them, it isn't well diversified. Oh, oftentimes. Yes. Yeah. And so anyway, we are here on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. And if you'd like to join us, if you have a question for us. Would love to take your call and see if we can't tackle your question. And to be part of the program, the number to be part of Allworth's Money Matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean is toll-free, 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. And numerically, it's 833-999-6784. And uh, your question could be regarding... Your own retirement could be regarding your investment portfolio, your four hundred one k. You know, it's your interesting. IRA, we, we can kind of tell. Security. One of the things we can tell what people are concerned about is based upon the kind of calls we get, and we haven't had a lot of calls the last few months on the markets because the markets, uh, the broad stock market, has done quite well this year. There hasn't been any major hiccups in any particular area yeah. thus far this year. And um, yes, and it seems to have bounced. Um, off some of the political turmoil relatively well. You think? Yes. Amazingly well. <laughs> yeah, relatively well, yes. It uh, it seems to have held up under the... Uh, and maybe it's just everyone's... Whether you're right or left, maybe we've all just kind of desensitized ourselves or we recognize that the economic cycles and political cycles don't actually run in parallel, which statistically, we know that they do not. Whether Republicans That's in true. office... Or Democrats, or the Senate, or the House, That's right. or the President. You go back, look at them all. There's no real pattern there. there hey, but there's there no has statistical been. evidence that there is uh, a reflection of. Which is really interesting because people on either side are so steadfast in their belief on how it's going to impact. And maybe it's because there's been this 
maybe that kind of balance between the two is a healthy thing for the overall financial market. And Scott, if it's going well, whoever's in office takes credit. And if it's going poorly, they blame the other side. So for what was remember, left before they inherited the mess. As I always like to, to success has a thousand fathers, and failure is an orphan. So whatever good things that people can take right or left credit for, they will. And the bad things, everyone's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. We deflected that. Never seen that. I had nothing to do with that. Right. And the same thing is when it's at retirement time. When somebody is at re- approaching retirement, they've saved well, they've got money in their 401ks and in their Roth IRAs, and they got their home paid off. It's They typically it's, they it's take them. credit. And the ones that get to retirement and dead broke, and it's they have a whole list of uh, reasons why they've been victims their entire life. Yes. And maybe at times they have been. But for the vast majority of folks. Their choices. But it's part of the economy in which we live is, is the consumer economy. That is just the way it is. Wait, what is? The, the people spend money that they don't have. It's just how it works. That is why there's, and we talked about it in the last few weeks, 15 and 20-year loans, 15 and 20-year loans on a boat. That, if that doesn't say consumerism, and I'm not afraid of debt, nothing does. <laughs> well... You took a fifteen or twenty year loan to buy the. By the way, probably, and those, and what those will are, be considered? I'm not talking about a commercial fishing boat. I'm talking about a luxury <laughs> boat that will actually. We stay, talked about this recently. Couple, yeah, yeah it will stay parked in your garage ninety eight percent of the right. time. Well, let's don't talk about that. By the way, if you think about buying a boat, if you got the cash and you want it, you can afford it. Fine. If not, probably don't. Probably not. Or get a friend with a boat. Even let's, better. Let's get to the. Uh, Calls. Yes, <laughs> so and I know they've been waiting patiently. Eight three three ninety nine Worth, if you'd like to join. And the show. we are in Northern California with Kevin. Kevin, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, good afternoon. Hi, Kevin. Um, hi. Listen, I've uh, I've had a annuity for like seven years, and now my account rep wants to surrender it and buy another one with a higher payment. And I've I've been listening to you guys and reading, and nobody has any good things to say about. What do you mean by a higher payment? Well, it it has like a guaranteed payment. The one that I have, um, thirteen hundred dollars, and this uh, rep says that she's got one that would pay fifteen hundred. When you annuitize it, when you when you when you turn it into a stream of income, is that what he's talking about? Okay, right. so yeah. have you turned it into a stream of income? The, the first one, yes, but okay. Tell us. Uh, so tell us the annuity in question here. How much? How much money is in this annuity policy? Uh, there's two hundred eighty thousand. And is, do you know what kind of annuity it, it is? Is it like a variable annuity where you've got different type of investment buckets in it, or is it a fixed annuity, or is it? An, I, I and, believe it's a vari- variable annuity. Uh, and I got, uh, I started getting payments within three months when I bought it. Did you annuitize it? No, it doesn't sound like it. It's got 280 in it. What did you put into it seven years ago? 300. So you've so just it, taken withdrawals off of this. Right. And you've paid taxes on 100% of those withdrawals, correct? Correct. Um, so you have no tax implication in it's getting just, out of this. So it sounds, is there a guaranteed minimum income this thing provides regardless of what happens? Yes. 
uh, 5%. Okay. So you're taking 5% off the 300,000. Which is why. Is that the, about, you're taking roughly 15,000 a year, maybe a tad less than that? No, yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. And in this policy, you probably have the right at some time in the future to what's called annuitize, where you ter- give up control of your principal for even a higher monthly payment. And this advisor, this rep, or whatever you want to call this person, the new annuity, what is it What is it supposed to be providing you? What's better about it? That's what I'm, try- <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. It's, uh, you know, it's another, it's a strong company. Uh, what's the name of it? New York Life. And what's the name of the uh, of the annuity for the first company? Um, MetLife. Met um Okay. And how how old are you? I'm 71. I don't know. Are you uh, single or married? I'm single. So and did this original contract have surrender charges on it? Uh, yeah, for the first five years. So here's here's what's here's so here's our challenge right now. Here's what we're thinking. A lot of these annuities pay a broker an upfront commission. Not always. Some pay a little bit every year, and but some, they sometimes, pay a commission. Sometimes the broker can actually choose. Either give me a check up front or pay me on an annual basis. And that way my future, my success or failure is going to line right along with what Kevin's success and failure is going to be. But my guess is that this broker took a commission up front. And by moving you to a new product, is going to receive another commission. Okay. But here's what here's what we know in the marketplace: interest okay. rates are lower today than they were seven years ago, which right? means that these products guarantees are not as good today as they were seven That's or right. eight years. Just the ago. way they're designed. And while, in fact, you, there might be a, a, a solution where you can get slightly more monthly income today, my guess is you are going to be giving – well, I, not, I don't guess. I know you'll be giving up something for that for the future. And we don't know what that is until we read both the old contract and the new contract. But what we do know is that the products that are available today annuity-wise are significantly less valuable and have less benefits – economically than the ones that were issued seven and eight years ago. We used to recommend them years ago. Years and years ago. And we still have clients that hold them that the insurance companies are trying to buy their way out of them because they were mispriced. They were good deals years ago. So, But Scott, I'll take exception to to this. I get why this person wants to sell them a new annuity because of the commission. But that aside, that aside, he has a product that's got a 5% guarantee on it it, that's satisfying your need, Right. And it has a variable uh, component inside of it that allows for uh, investments in equity and bond-type investments. It's highly unlikely he's going to be able to get a guarantee of 5% on a $300,000 account in It'll today's be some, environment. They'll be without giving up something. Correct. And what you're probably giving up is, Kevin, my guess is that you have the option of, of converting this, basically giving up control of your principal in exchange for kind of like a pension, a lifetime pension. Okay. For both you and your spouse. So I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't, I'd leave it alone. In fact, if you came into our office, I can't think of the last time anyone in our organization recommended an exchange of an old policy. No. 
because just they're just not as good any, as, as they used to be. Now we don't know all the all the various nuances because every company's different, and even inside the companies, you like say MetLife. MetLife's got a whole different series of different annuities. But if you were to compare MetLife and New York Life in terms of financial stability, yeah, they're the same. Yeah. yeah, but it's just. But the question is, how can a product today have greater benefits than one that was issued seven years ago? That's the question, and, and the I don't believe is, they can. We we don't think so. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you another question. Uh, would it make any sense to uh, to get out of the annuity? Probably not. Maybe, but but Scott, probably not. Right? There's a cost associated with this annuity that you may be paying that you don't need to pay for. And that cost is that guarantee of 5%. So essentially, if we read this contract and this guarantee of 5% says we're going to pay you out $15,000 even if this account balance goes to zero. Well, you're 71 years of age. The chances of it going to zero with a 5% distribution is pretty small. Small. Right, right. Um, the thing I don't like about well, it what, is... One thing we don't know is, is, number one, what's the death benefit? Correct. We it's don't a know. Weird, if, weird term for how much they're going to pay out when you pass away. And secondly, what annuitization factors do you have in there? And how big is this as a percentage of your overall portfolio? It's about 40%. Okay. So, and you look at that, and how much is that $15,000 a year as a percentage of your income? Um... On the border of half, uh, similar, maybe forty percent. Yeah, I mean, so, it, so it, it, I, what I, I can say, it would be highly suspect that the newer policy would uh, be of greater value to this. But then, the, but Scott, the question I think he asked is, should I get rid of it completely? I, don't I wouldn't. Know. We wouldn't have used this to begin with for you because they, because of the expense associated with that, uh, with that five right. percent guarantee. It's pretty much after. Um, Right after the financial crisis, the insurance companies got wise to realize they were giving away too many benefits, and they 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 changed the product such though. Although on the surface they look about the same, when you look under the hood, they're not they're not the same. And what we do know is that you're paying ordinary income taxes on things that you could normally pay uh, capital Unless, gains. Is this isn't an IRA. Yes. Oh, it okay. isn't an IRA. I don't. I mean, I don't know if I would have. I wouldn't have recommended it in the first place, but I don't think it. It's a bad. I mean, you it didn't it, hurt it, yourself. Look, let's say you're in Northern California. You could talk to one of our advisors. Like, we're not. No one's going to try to sell you any sort of annuity, and they'd be more than happy to take a look at it and give you their their uh, opinion on it. Uh, but you but didn't, without looking at it and with the overall situation, we can't say whether you should keep it or get rid of it. Yeah. But you didn't hurt yourself. You no, didn't, no, no. You didn't blow yourself up or do anything drastically bad. Okay. It's not a bad. No, thing. no, 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 no. It's not. A, it's not necessarily what I would do. It isn't a hundred percent optimized. I, but, but this it's not this bad. this rep. How often do you does this rep manage the other pieces of your portfolio? Uh, yes, but it's uh, she's kind of a stranger to me. How often I mean, do you talk with this or meet with this person? Uh, you know, this, I've talked to her once. There you go. Once yeah, since she fun. sold it to you? No, hadn't sold it to me, no. Just just pitching it. Well, who sold it to you originally? Uh, about three reps back. Um, and, uh, oh. yeah, a, a guy, a guy, a Fidelity rep. At a Fidelity retail store. Yes. Okay. And is this a, at a Fidelity store that they're a, trying to sell you this? A Fidelity retail store. So you went to a Fidelity store. Yeah, I think you could call it that. Yeah. Yes. It says Fidelity on the outside of it. 
And you walk in and you met with what's called an FC or financial consultant. And they sold you an annuity. And they sold you an annuity. And now someone new wants to sell you a new annuity. Because they have quotas. Okay. So much for no commission fidelity. They've changed. Swap does so, the same thing, Scott. I think one of them was trying to – anyway, that's another story, Tyler. But I, Kevin, you don't have a financial advisor. You don't have – you've got salespeople that get to call on you on a regular basis. That's okay. what you got. You don't have any sort of strategy put together. And I would recommend, if you don't want to talk to one of our uh, independent advisors, go talk to another fee-based independent advisor. And just get their opinion on it. Yeah, but you don't, 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 don't interact with these people. They're just trying to sell you product. And I could guarantee, okay. I will, I would bet big money that they took a hundred percent of the commission up front. Oh, yeah. And I, I would encourage if that uh, person who's pitching this to you um, uh, would like, we'd be more than happy to have a conversation with her on this program regarding your old policy and the one that she's recommending, and she can prove her point. So this is an open invitation. To her, and you can let her know that uh, we've invited her to come onto the program to, to present why the new one would be better for you than the old one. That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> so I don't, my, and my guess is she's not going to take us up on the offer, but. Uh, well, I appreciate right. the call. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Kevin. And Pat, this is just. It, that's the, that's the, that's the, biz, that's the business they're in. They're not. This is the same one that just went to zero. No, Fidelity hasn't gone to zero. No, they went to zero commission. I don't think that was Schwab did. And Schwab TD and TD. I don't think Fidelity's followed I, I yet. I thought they were going to match it. Anyway. anyway, but it's it. You're going to a Fidelity branch and you're getting sold an annu an annuity. Not a Fidelity no load annuity, nonetheless. No, it's uh the first one they were sold was uh what do you say? This is based Netlife? on this is this is um, based on what uh, Kevin had just told us anyway. Yes, not very. Well, we don't know if it's a hundred percent. But we do understand that the models of these firms are not exactly what they used to be. And by the way, fair disclosure, we use Fidelity <laughs> as a custodian. <laughs> Our industry is funny because uh, we might we, we might have competition or enemies in one piece of the business, but yet we're business partners at the uh, very yeah. common in financial services. Yeah, but at the same time, we, we custody it. TD Ameritrade, and we custody at Charles Schwab, and we custody at Fidelity. Well, it just means that we have our clients, their portfolios are in an independent spot for a assets there. We direct the dollars, how they're invested, the the asset allocation, the risk tolerance. We just use these large firms to custody and create the statements. Yeah. So let's continue on with calls to our contact number to join the program, 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Bill. Bill, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hello, Scott and Pat. Hi, Bill. Good to talk with with you. Thank I've, you, sir. I've uh, listened to a lot of your shows. Uh, I really like your sense of humor, especially when you talk about your kids and your wives. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You know why we can do that, Bill? Because we know our children and our wives don't listen to our show. So, right. so it's pretty easy to talk about them because we know it's never going to get back to them. <laughs> Bill, how can we be of help? Well, uh, I think it was on your uh, September 28th uh, pod podcast. You advised a woman who... Had I think 3.2 million in 
assets, and you recommended that she not wait to take Social Security. Okay. Uh, and I think she was 62. Okay. It sounds like some. I don't remember the particular call, but it sounds like the advice that we would give. Well, uh, my wife and I are in a very similar situation, and what I'm doing with my wife's Social Security is waiting until she's 70. Okay. Uh, because uh, I'm trying to transfer as much of the, or uh, convert IRA funds to a Roth IRA as much as I can so I can still stay within the same tax bracket. Uh -huh. and, and how much are you converting every year? Uh, this will be the first year. It'll be around 80000 and then the next year's maybe 110 Okay. And how old are you? Uh 76. You're 76, and your wife is how old? Uh, 67. And how much do you have in IRAs? I think part of the challenge, I don't know if I remember this call, but there's probably a large amount was in IRAs and required minimum distribution. So how much do you have in retirement plans? 2.8. In, in IRAs. Oh, so you, yeah. you already have a required minimum distribution issue now. Yeah. How much of, right. how much of that 2.8 is in your name and how much is in your wife's name? Uh, most of it's in my, my wife's name. Okay. Oh. So you've got some timing. You've got three years uh, in order to get in front of this required minimum distribution. And this is the first year Can that you did. she take a spouse? Is she still working or is she retired? Re retired. Could this she, year. She just retired this year. Yeah. So could yeah. she do what, Scott? Spousal benefit. Sign up for spousal benefit and convert to hers at age 70. Oh, she is now. We uh, did that. Okay. Well, so then, then what's, what's your question? Uh, that's That makes the most that, sense. That's, She's that's, taking a spousal benefit now and will convert to hers at age 70. Yeah, you did the right thing. Okay, well, I I was just going by what you told that other. Oh, got it, got it, got it. This woman, is... and I'm trying trying to convert as much IRA funds to uh, Roth, which IRA. is the best, best strategy. Best yes. Strategy. yes. So right. so for 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 yourself and the rest of the listeners, there's what we like to talk about is legislative risk in portfolios and in income strategies. And that is something that you need to make your decision up on yourself or with, the, with the, the guidance of a good advisor. And we believe that there is legislative risk in the changing of the Social Security benefits to those people with either high net worth or high income. And you're saying, well, what does that mean? Maybe we're maybe there, maybe it'll never happen, but 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 there's look, look, I well if, if well, you well, if, plus. I believe that no matter what they do, it won't affect us much anyway, or well, the, me and my wife. That it will. It could well, affect. Maybe, it but. could affect your <laughs> wife a little bit more than you. But remember, she's sixty-seven, and this person was a lot younger. Which is why, you know, financial planning is an individual sport. It is not a team sport where one 
There's always certain things in financial planning. Save as much as you can. Do as much tax advantage as you can. <laughs> Don't put, go into debt on consumer put issues. The floor. But when you get down to the minutia of the advice that we were giving to that person, it doesn't apply to you. But here's what, here's the things that what you told us that sound like what you're doing well here, Bill. First is you're looking at how much of this of my wife's IRAs can I get converted to a Roth before she's stuck with the required minimum distribution, which is right. spot on. Sounds like you're doing everything you can there. Secondly, is on her Social Security because it sounds like she was a, had a career and all those things. Her Social Security at age 70 is going to be much more than her spousal benefit. But rather than foregoing a spousal benefit for all these years, it's like kind of like free money. It's different than someone who doesn't have a spousal benefit. So what you had her do was to apply for her spousal benefit, of which she's going to collect until she's um, age 70, of which she'll then re revert over to hers. And according, you know, as Pat mentioned, some legislative risk. Well, the way it stands now, Social Security Administration is going to be the trust fund will be bust uh, by what, 2032, 2030, 2032, depending on. So we're looking at 11 years. Maybe, maybe more, maybe less. So a 62-year-old's now 73. And if, if there's no changes, we're going to have a cross-the-board cut. But that's not how it will work. There's not going to be an across-the-board cut. And if it happens, it's going to happen for about six weeks, and, which and, wouldn't surprise me. And, and the reason we can say that is because if you go back and look at the history of Social Security, there was a point in time where Social Security benefits weren't taxable. And then they started taxing, but only over certain income limits. And then they raised that tax again. And I feel like we talked about this ad nauseum. We did. It is a subject that keeps them coming does, back from more. Does. I mean, there's always questions on Social Security. We appreciate the call, Bill. But there is, there's, I think there's... Um, Scott, what do we spend? It's a it's a financial radio talk show. How many subjects can we talk about? It's it's going to be fine. We can talk about commercial real estate. We can talk about farm property. Okay, we should. We can talk about uh, charitable remainder trusts. Well, let's okay. <laughs> we can, Which apply? Well, I, can, I can mention eighty okay. things we can discuss. All right. Well, farm property, commercial real estate. The thing is, is Social Security impacts everybody. And those three things you just mentioned are probably, you know, when you talk about the one percenters. What if you had commercial property with farmland on its roof, part of the green team? In a charitable remainder trust. There we go. All right. We're taking a quick break. Stick around for more of All Worth's Money Matters. Welcome back to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen here. Pat McClain. Glad you are still with us. We at least assume maybe many of you have dropped. Well, <laughs> <laughs> then you wouldn't be talking to them, would you? So the ones that are still with us, we thank them for staying on. That's correct. So thank you thank for you. being part of our program. Still, uh, if you want to join our show and have a question for us, we'd like to call and get our opinion, which is pretty much what you'll have is just an opinion. It's Well, some of it's fact. Some of it is factual. What's the tax rates, et cetera? Some of it's factual. Some of it's just an opinion. Yes. Like what's going to happen with the markets next week? Opinion. Who knows? Opinion. 833-99-WORTH is the number to join our show to participate in All Worth Money Matters. Again, that's 833-99-WORTH. Uh, numerically, it's simply 833-999-6784. And we are in Tennessee with Michelle. Michelle, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Michelle. How can we help? Hello. If we can. My question, <laughs> my, my question today is about a GE pension buyout. Yeah. My husband, <laughs> yeah. My husband worked for GE for about 15 years, and he quit last year. So he hasn't started taking a pension. 
um, but we got the offer to do a lump sum buyout. And I'm how, curious whether it's a good idea or it, not. You know what? And here's the thing. Uh, every situation is unique. So there will be some people from GE that would be best off financially to take the buyout and other folks that would be best to keep it with GE. And, and part of it has to do with uh, the discipline that you have in your own family. I read a statistic recently that uh, um, it, over 15 to 20% of people that take lump sums uh, blow through them within seven years on a pension lump sum. How? What percent? Uh, it was over 50, uh, It was either between 15 and 20% blow through the money within seven years on a pension lump sum. That has not been the experience of clients that we've worked with over the years. But I'm just telling you what the statistics yeah. said. But uh, correct. But yeah. there was a small percentage of the clients that even we work with. Yeah. But we tried. That's right. We have a, I've seen it. We're affected. So let's ask a couple questions. Your husband, how old is he? He's 43. And how uh, much is his month, would his monthly pension be if he took a monthly pension? Uh, At age 65, probably. At age 60, it would be just under $2,000 a month. Okay. <clears throat> Here's the thing. So, I mean, we have an idea of what the interest rates are in here because it's all based upon, first of all, GE can't just make up its own numbers in determining what a lump sum is worth today. They have to use formulas that are governed by the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, and they use a, a blended rate that looks at some of the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation published rates along with what some rates that are in the marketplace. The bottom line is interest rates are very low today. Which means lump sums are relatively high. The lower the interest rate, the bigger the lump sum. And how much is the lump sum today? All totaled, it's just under 125000 That it includes the the company pension plus his personal contribution pension. With with being forty three, so if we're looking at at um, seventeen years, with a, a with a well diversified portfolio, you have a, a extremely high probability of generating a, more income at age sixty than the two thousand guaranteed. A month. But, but with that is not just the discipline of being able to leave the money alone and not spending it. That's one. The second discipline, Michelle, and this is also a pretty big discipline, this is the discipline to be able to uh, let the portfolio do what the portfolio is going to do and not freak out when the thing fluctuates in value. So, And that's sometimes easier said than done. If you could think back to the financial crisis, when the stock market fell over 50%, we wouldn't, not, wouldn't recommend that this would go 100% in stocks, but a majority would need to be in stocks over the long term because historically owning the factors of production, owning companies, historically, if you go back the last roughly 100 years, have returned roughly 10% a year. Some years really bad, some years really great. But in order to receive that over a long period of time, people must have the discipline to maintain their positions in the good times and in the bad times. If you were my younger sister, I would say, take the pension we're going to invest it. Promise me you'll never make change to this, and promise me you won't talk about it at Thanksgiving time. And Scott, and what percentage would go into equities uh, if you? If you were my younger sister, sister, and sometimes when I've got a little more control over things, right? Or, or influence? Or yeah, influence. There's a better way to put it. Uh, probably eighty percent. That's exactly the number I would have done as well. A hundred. I would have eighty percent is exactly where it would go. I'd take the lump sum. For another reason, in addition to 
in addition to the reason that Scott suggested, it's I would worry about the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation and the amount of insurance that is on this uh, particular plan 17 years out. Because the PBGC is the FDIC of insurance, if you will, but the amount of coverage is a dollar amount. Also, the date you retired is how it's determined. And $2,000 for someone retired when they were 40. I Yeah, that's a deferred vested pension. It's a DVP, deferred vested pension, which uh, I seriously doubt that you're going to have 100% coverage on the PBG from the PBGC. Should, should they need to step up at some point. But look but what's look, happening. Scott, the reality is GE is trying to discharge this for a reason. They're trying to discharge this for a reason, which is they don't want the liability That's associated right. with this pension anymore. What are you guys yeah, inclined to do? I mean, what was your first inclination? Uh, we're inclined to take the lump sum. I think um, we're good savers, and we'll set it aside, and we, we won't spend it. Uh, yeah, these are, sac- these are sacred dollars. They're going into it, your IRA. It doesn't matter if the car blows up. It doesn't matter what health issues someone in the family has, Right. These are sacred dollars, and the concern, the concern always, and you brought the point that 15 to 20% of the lump sums are spent within seven years. The concern is, is, that, is that they can get rated periodically. Because there are greater needs. But uh, if you have the discipline, and I, I assume your husband's back, he's, he's working, he's got a full-time job, and you financially you're stable? Well, we're stable, but actually we both quit our corporate jobs last year and we uh, bought some land and we're starting a farm. So we're not totally stable. Oh, but, got it. But you're living the dream. Yeah. Or a nightmare, depending on how things faith. are going. So, Michelle, I uh, earlier in this year, so we're, for the rest of the, the listeners, we're out of Sacramento, California, but I had an opportunity to ride the uh, Natchez Trace um, trail uh, from Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville. Uh, which went through Tennessee, and it is absolutely beautiful country. And are you from Tennessee? No, actually, um, I'm originally from western New York, and then we lived in Texas for a while, and we landed in Tennessee, especially because it's just it's gorgeous out here, it is and absolutely. it's a low cost of living, too. And there's so. no taxes, state income taxes. Exactly. And so you were, both had corporate jobs. What were you? Have you seen the movie Lost in America? No. Okay. no. <laughs> He's telling Michelle she's lost. It's a, it's a story about these people. That, okay. Anyway, so tell us the story. And how, are you making any money? Uh, not yet. Uh, we, we're planting a small orchard and you know, start a market garden, and hopefully in a few years it'll bring in some extra money. But we, we, we've been savers, and we've, been, uh, we've set aside a bunch of money to see if we can make a go of this, and hopefully it'll work out. But, yeah, trees take a long time to grow. So. And did and now, you, so now now I'm almost leaning more to the monthly pension. Really? <laughs> I mean, I don't know you that well, but I've seen. But they, but but Michelle, you and your husband, what what did you do in corporate America? Well, he was an online engineer, and I was an attorney editor. So, so you could go back if you needed to. He probably could. I, I'm not sure that I I would go into a different place you believe uh, that if i needed to and you have kids nope no kids so no free Part labor the reason why we're able to save and you yeah. so you're swinging at this dream but if the dream doesn't come to fruition you can always go back that's that, that, that but they're gonna the make this plan. they're gonna make this happen they're going to make it happen uh, probably yeah. have much less lifestyle consumption yep. 
right? Living on the farm and you're making some trade-offs. Yeah, we actually were living in a van at the moment. We converted a, a sprinter van into a motorhome. So, oh, yeah, and you haven't there. strangled one another. No, surprisingly, it's and, working out all right. And this is, are you one of the FIRE movement? What is that, a financially independent, retire early? Sounds you, like it. Were you one of those people? Well, you know what, I, we've been saving well before that FIRE movement took hold. You know, I I know what it is, and I'd say we'd probably fall within it, but that was never the, we were never super saving just so we could leave our jobs. But we just decided that uh, enough things happened the last couple of years that reminded us we needed to, Follow our dreams if we were going to ever do it. So, Good for yeah, you. Yeah. The leap. Good for you. So it's not it's the fires retire early, which the whole concept of retiring not. early seems odd. If you can still part of the thing about working is providing some value to others, right? So retire anyway, uh, which you can when you retire. I'm not stating that, but it's just when you're but, 35 but, and retiring, it's odd. There's was a, a career choice lifestyle yeah. change. Good I think for it you. Cool. I mean, you write your own story, right, Michelle? Absolutely, and a lot of people think we're crazy, but so far, crazy oh, for what? What do you have to lose? Well, yeah, what's up? You're not. You don't have a bunch of kids relying on you. You move to a Perfect. place that's absolutely gorgeous. You're trying something new. Why not? That's what we said. You know, I got to. I'll share a personal story with you. That when Scott Hansen and I started the business, 1993. I, my father told me, I don't know if this is such a good idea. What if it doesn't work? And I said, Well, what if it does work? And by the way, Dad, if it doesn't work, I can always go back to the job I left. They will have me back. My stepfather has been my stepfather for forty-five years, very close to him. Told me he thought it was he thought it was crazy at the time. And I used I was a tree trimmer. I had a little small tree trim business through college. It's like a little, so I had a little different business. And he'd remember say, "Well, you can always fall back on trimming trees." <laughs> Which, uh, but but the reality is, is you don't know in, until you try. And you try, you, you know. Fortunately for myself, and and I, I'm not going to speak for Scott, but I didn't have any children when I started the business. Um, you know, which probably gave us some, you know, a little bit of wiggle room. And my wife worked outside of the home. I had the same situation. Those were the good old days when they worked outside of the home. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> All right. Appreciate the call, Michelle. Thanks, Michelle. Thank wish you, you. Get, wish you total luck. Yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, success, not luck. How about just success? Like what a great story. Hard work and uh, luck is what, what hard work and opportunity and, present themselves. Yeah. I think that's what when I was told when I was a young man or something. Like luck is when opportunity and hard work. Well, um, it's interesting because, Pat, we've been at this for a long time. Uh, we, Pat and I actually worked together at a firm prior to 1993 when we started this. And we've seen a lot of people uh, transition to retirement. A lot, retirement's wonderful for a lot of people. But we've also encountered so many folks that are in a job that they don't like, and they're kind of counting down the years. And, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm on a bike ride. Now, I don't know why I'm, I think about some of these things. And I was thinking about pension plans and company pension plans. Right? She, she called the GE. Used to, right? GE was the kind of company you went to work for. You worked for the 35 years. You got a gold watch and a, and pen, a, and a, and a stream of income until your dying day which for is, both you and your spouse. Which is great for the retirement income. What's not so great is people sometimes find themselves trapped because they're 52 years old or whatever the number is. And they're like, I'm in this job I don't really like. It's not fulfilling. But if I leave now, I've got too much at stake financially. I've got this pension at stake. Yes. So I can't afford to leave going, I'm going to stick through it until my – and and I've had those conversations. Sometimes we run the numbers for somebody. It's and like, say you, you can't leave. I had an 
one of my own relatives wanted to leave and he had seven or eight years to his pension. And I told him it would be the, the most, uh, financially, it was about the worst decision he could make. And he said, what do I do? And I said, go to work and hide every day and try to get through the oh, eight no. years. <laughs> well, I mean, well, he hate, he didn't like his job. I've, I've seen people before and it's like, all right, you're making 80,000 a year. All right. You would need to make 190,000 the next four years if you left now or, or 200 because because the pensions the pension. are cliffed. They go from basically nothing, nothing, nothing on a, what's called a deferred vested pension until so if you're a vested pension and it cliffs on one day. If you find yourself in your, say, early 50s or mid 50s or late 50s and find yourself envious about your colleagues that have pensions, your friends that have pensions, there's a flip side to that. But further than that, I think we've also seen a number of people that have decided, you know what, I'm going to change my career now, even if it means postponing my retirement. Because I'm not digging what I'm doing. I can, yeah, I can push forward, keep doing this until I'm 62 or whatever, the next 65. I can keep pushing forward. But maybe this is a good opportunity for me to find something I'm passionate about, take a cut in pay, but reorganize my life in such a way that I can make it work. And maybe instead of retiring at 62, I'm going to retire at 68 now. Scott, do you think it's because uh, people uh, realize retirement for many is not all it's cracked up to be? That it's not all just a wonderland when you retire and don't, that many people now recognize that they don't really want to retire. They want to stay engaged in some form or fashion. Well, I they mean, just baby boomers, two, two thirds of baby boomers say they want some sort of work during retirement and we're living longer lives and we're living healthier lives. So you're more active, you're m more mentally acute. Look at all the people running for president, how old they all are. It's oh, good, amazing, right? Good point. And I was thinking about those used to be old numbers. They used to be, used yeah, to be Bernie old. Sanders is what, 78 or Yeah, but they're all in their 70s. Even Elizabeth Warren's 70. They're all, I mean, Donald Trump is how old? 70 something, I think, right? Yeah, they're all in their 70s, right? And you want to talk about stressful jobs they're going that for. That would be, I mean, even running for office would oh, be stressful. Gosh, well, Bernie had that heart attack. I mean, yeah. It'd be hard, period. Unless anyway, had, uh, I think it's an unless interesting time. Force one to campaign in. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's a home bunch of aides protecting you, only telling you what you want to hear. Yeah, it's a home seat advantage. Got to just flying and sending out tweets all day long. <laughs> We're not going to go there, Scott. All right, all right let's uh, let's continue on with calls. To join the program, 833-99-WORTH is the number to be part of All Worth's Money Matters. 833-99-WORTH. And we're in Northern California talking with Sue. Sue, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hi, Pat and Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Sue. Thank you. I have a question. Um, my mother is 97 years old. Wow. And so, obviously, my sister and I, it's just the two of us, will be um, in the near future getting an inheritance. Um, my 50% of the inheritance would be $513,000. Most of, um, I'd say 55% of that is in stock with J&J, &J, and the rest is, the balance is in cash. All in one stock? Um, yeah. Wow, okay. <laughs> My dad retired from Johnson & Johnson. Good thing he didn't he retire has, from GE. <laughs> I mean, just... <laughs> he is... <laughs> a Johnson & Johnson's been really good to our family, so... Yes. But um, he um, was in a drip 
plan. Yes. It was either an ESOP plan or a drip plan. Okay. Um, and the shares are with a transfer agent called Computer Share. Yep. Computer. Yep. Okay. So when my mom passes away, we seem to think that the Computer Share accounts can be transferred into our names. So that we can continue with the drip. Whose plan. name is that? Yeah, yeah, but you could yeah that yes that everything you're saying so far is is correct. Assuming there's a will in place, I mean the simplest thing would be to have a trust established so it would automatically transfer. Yes, my mom. Yes, my mom has a trust established, and the shares are in the tells uh, us the shares own the trust the computer. You're correct. Okay. The shares are owned by the yes. trust. Yeah, man, absolutely. Okay. And you could have the trust, you could have that account split in two where you've got half of the account and your sister has half of the account. Okay. And then Simple. we would continue and, and with computer share and we could continue with the drip so that you we could, could, could. invest the dividends. But I would highly what, discourage that. I would not do that. Oh. For two reasons. One, um, when, when, you rec- when someone receives an inheritance, I shouldn't say all the time, 99% of the time, when someone receives assets and inheritance, as in this situation, you'll receive those assets with a cost basis, kind of like what you paid for the stock, equal to the fair market value. Which means that it receives a full step up in basis and there's no taxes due at the time of death. No taxes. You can sell that and avoid any capital gain. So the reason, if which you, I, I think actually on a planet, I think in the next few years we'll see that loophole gone change. But so if you if if you were to come into our office today with your mother and say, "What do you think?" We'd say, "Wow, this is greatly over concentrated in this single company stock, and it's not a good idea to own it." And then we'd say, "But your mother's ninety seven, and if you sold these stocks today, you'd have a, incur this large capital gain, assuming that you could even figure out what your basis is in those stocks. But when your mother passes away, you'll receive a full step up in basis. You can liquidate all the stocks without any tax implications at your mother's death and then reinvest the dividends. And you say, well, J&J has been really good to us. And I would right. say to you. Well, Sue, you come into my office and you bring me $500,000 and you've never met me before. And I say to you, Sue, this is what I want to do. I want you to take half of these 500,000. Just you come in with 500,000 in cash. I want you to take half of this 500,000 and I want you to buy a single company stock. Let's call it IBM. I want you to put half of your money in IBM and I want you to put the other half in the bank. And I'm an investment advisor and I know what I'm doing. If I told you that, what would you say to me? I would say no, because you're not supposed to put all your eggs in one basket. Okay. And that's what you just told us you were going to do. However, okay. we have one problem with this. Okay. In my mother's will, she stated that we have to hold on to the stock for four years after her oh. death. Really? And I think it's because it's sentimental. You know the so stock doesn't know you. To... The stock doesn't know you own it. Um, if it were me, and I, I mean, here, here's here's the thing, Sue. You know, if it were me, and I were to inherit those dollars, and my and my parents put that sort of provision in the the will or the trust, you know what I would do, Scott? Well, it's you the know trust. What? Unless unless there's a separate trust that's created to state that. 
to hold these. And if you violated the trust, who's going to actually come back and enforce them? Well, if you wanted to honor that, you would use some put options to protect your uh, position over the next four years. I, but I wouldn't honor that. Because well, it's no ridiculous. This is it's ridiculous. Yeah. And here's the thing. You're in Northern California. What if, what if your father had retired from PG&E? Right? Right? I mean, there's a lot of great companies that, that are something gr- happens, some out of the blue, opioid. Purdue Pharmaceuticals. I mean, so it could, who knows what, it, but any, there's great companies that sometimes there's an outside influence, something happens, and boom, that company gets derailed, sometimes never gets back on track. Yeah. And if you look back over the last 100 years, you look at the companies that made up the Dow Jones Industrial Average 50 years ago even, and look where they are today. There's hardly any of them even existing anymore. So Johnson & Johnson, great company for decades, et cetera. We all buy their products. Wonderful to your family. I'm sure they provided a lot of financial security. It's a different world today. And I, I, what, what was good for your parents is probably not the best thing for you. So anyway, I appreciate the call. I hope that helps too. you. But from your, to answer your basic question, Yes, absolutely. You can continue just like you're doing. Yes. And continue by buying more Johnson & Johnson stock what? through your dividend reinvestment program. But I would not do that. And in fact, we don't know how well Johnson & Johnson did. We'd have to compare it to the broad market. Yeah, I have no idea. We'd have to actually – you could chart it and compare it to the broad market, to the S&P 500, and decide whether it was actually for, a, for a good in, risk in return. For individuals to own individual securities, they have to really ask themselves – do what what gives them the the special knowledge and skill set to, to make them believe that they're going to outperform the broader market because if you look at most mutual funds actively managed mutual funds the majority of those managers who have analysts working for them they went to business school and all those sort of things the majority of those cannot outperform the broad markets right yeah and so if you want to own a small portion or you enjoy trading, totally understand that. But if you're talking about a large portion of your portfolio, look, if you're younger and you want to take on the – you're working for a company that's going great, you want to take on the risk of the company, fine. If you can afford to, to lose it, you got maybe time ahead of you, fine. You're getting close to retirement age, and now, now you're not back in the – you don't have another two decades in the marketplace, and now you're concerned about making sure you have retirement income? It's a totally different thing. You know, it's always curious to me, Scott, that – and the sentimentality around how people become so sentimental about an asset. It's just curious to me that, that people think, well, my mom owned it or my dad owned it, so I need to own it. And I think, well, her, her dad was a company man. Yes. Served them well. Back in the day. It was a different era back then, right? You worked for the company your entire career. Career takes care of you. I'm sure they had the company doctor, the whole thing, right? Um, but don't love anything that can't love you back. And Johnson Johnson goes through his troubles and they need to downsize. Yeah. Don't <laughs> We've seen all that. Do not love anything that can't love you back. Yeah. Well, we are about out of time on this program. We are going to do a, an extended podcast uh, for our podcast listeners. So if you are listening to the podcast, you're going to stick around because we're going to talk a bit about a bit about WeWork and some of these unicorns. And portfolios and um, what is a unicorn? It is a non-publicly traded company that has got an evalu- evaluation greater than a billion dollars. 
that is what a unicorn is. We're going to talk about unicorns, WeWorks, and uh, learnings that we have um, that we have been blessed with about the non-public markets. Yeah, and so that'll be for our podcast listeners for an extended podcast. And I think we do this about once a month. At least we started doing this about once a month a few months back. And uh, if you don't listen to our podcast now, I'd encourage you to do so. And if you are, um, and if look, we, we look at the percentages. Millennials listen to tons of podcasts. Gen Xers, some, not as many, right? Uh, baby boomers, not as many. And it kind of goes that way. So I think it's only like, um, it's still less than 25% of baby boomers listen to. So you could. So if you want to learn how to even go onto our website at allworthfinancial.com, and we even kind of have a little tutorial show you how to go find our web our podcast and listen to our podcast so i encourage you to do so actually if you're on our on our website there's a lot of other great information there that we would um, be more than happy to share with you so this has been the end of our program we are here at this same time the same radio station so make sure you tune in next week or of course listen to our podcast and for our podcast listeners stick around this has been all worth money matters Well, podcast listeners, thank you for uh, being podcast listeners. And um, it's uh, w- this WeWork. And here's what I here's what's fascinating about this. It's not one particular company. It's the backing behind it, and it's it's this kind of herd mentality. Markets go up and down, not because fun- fundamentals change that dramatically on a daily basis, but it's much more herd driven. It's much more behavioral uh, driven than anything. And so WeWork, of course, I think most of you have followed the news some that they're about to go public. SoftBank owns roughly a third of WeWork. And SoftBank, Pat, they got— They bought in at a valuation of— But wait, they got they got um, their fame from— uh, Al- Alibaba. Yeah, Alibaba. Which was the uh, Chinese, uh, if you will, Amazon. Yep. And they were one of the early investors. And they had uh, a couple other big hits, and so they were able to attract lots and lots of new capital because of their track record. With attracting lots and lots of new capital is placing that new capital. So the bets get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, they're these uh, huge funds. They're huge funds. And you'll see some— $100 billion. You'll see some private equity funds— will actually have great track records, but they're pretty disciplined on how they raise money and what they invest in. Other private equity funds. <laughs> this is what this has been. It's in a kind of a weird private equity fund, too, because yeah. the way it was structured. They had some loans, some preferred. I mean, a bunch of different structures. Yeah, they, they had uh, uh, preferreds back to certain investors and non-preferreds to others and return of capital before payment goes out. Just some very, very... It, it, it was essentially like they raised... SoftBank raised so much money, they had to deploy in big, big tranches, and they come across WeWork. And WeWork, although it had the story, and if you've been listening to this podcast uh, for any length of time, this isn't a new opinion that we've had of WeWork. We've shared it over the last year, which is this is an unproven business model. A company takes long-term leases and then rents them out on short term. And they gussied it up. What happens in a down market? So what happens in the recession? This has happened for years with other companies um, that have been on a uh, that actually have been at the same level, but not at the corporate level. So what WeWork was trying to do is going going back and leasing space to Microsoft or IBM or SAP or these large or Ford and saying, look, 
you can have a presence here in this city, but you don't have to deal with the maintenance, and and for that you're going to pay a little <laughs> or bit. Or sign a, a lease, just take a full. But 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 which means you could leave anytime you want. But what's the uh, office chain that does the same thing? Is it Regent? Regis. Regis. It's not a new business model. This one just had a lot more lipstick on it. Very charismatic uh, founder. I never but found him that charismatic. I thought it was just weird. He's Walked around barefoot, long hair. Yeah, but, but and he what, had some weird spiritual um, element yeah, he, too. He, yeah, I just thought anyway. Well, here's the here. So they're they have they raise money through bonds as well as through equity holders. There are bonds that are trading at, that are due in 2025, so five, a little over five years now. They had a coupon rate of just less than 8%, just shy of 8%. So that's Which is actually it, a little bit high. But, but the bonds have taken a plummet. And they were trading uh, less than 80 cents on the dollar, equivalent to about a 13% yield. Which is junk bond territory. In, who wouldn't like 13% on their right. mouth? Why Why would you have to pay 13%? Well, because maybe people are, aren't expecting it's possible to get full repayment on it. This will be an interesting story, and as we, this continues to unfold, but I think even more interesting is watch what's happened. If, let's just keep, keep an eye on SoftBank over the next year or two. They came up with a second mega fund, the Vision Fund 2, whatever they call it. And maybe it's not interesting if you're not in the financial market. <laughs> But I, I find it fascinating because it just it's institutional investors, wealthy investors aren't necessarily better investors. And they're not immune to the same behavioral factors that uh, push that we all deal with. That is 100 percent true. And they have hurdles, too. So sometimes they have to take big, big swings and big, big risk in order to stand out. Yeah. So, so anyway, thank you and, very oh, much wait, for being Scott, before we before we go, um, our marketing people uh, decide uh, asked us uh, to if you're listening to this podcast, which you obviously are, can you go and rate us and maybe forward it to one or two of your friends and yeah. tell them to listen. And not only rate the podcast, but um, feel free to rate us on any of the other radio yeah, areas or, as well. And um, feel free to call us. And we will get you on the air. Yeah, you, you can schedule schedule a time to uh, when we record this, so you can call eight three three ninety nine worth, and we'll get you on the air at some point in the future when we come in and record the um, the podcast. Yeah, but again, thanks for being a podcast listener. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.